this series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence. Chad. And together, we're a pair of normal guys. Mm-hmm. Always and forever. And I helped. <laughs> did you? I did. What'd you help do? I, I don't know. We didn't have enough sound clips, so I'm here today. Not a, Oh, well, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Chad, um, I would like to point out that a very monumentous thing happened. Monumentous? Just this morning. What's that? That freaking giraffe had its baby. Did it finally? Yes. Yay. And I actually had my phone on watching it. Well, I wasn't watching it. Let's say it was on for about two hours. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the best part of the whole thing is, you know, one, you're watching the giraffe walk around with feet sticking out of it. But then reading the comments because apparently, and I didn't know this, Mm -hmm. you might have, there's a few thousand giraffe birthing experts in the world. A few thousand. At least. Huh. Oh, yeah. I even, like, took some notes so I could tell you some of my favorite types of comments from people on the old uh, giraffe birthing. Dr. Jeffrey. You know, this this was a lot of comments. The, someone needs to get a vet in there to help her. She looks like she's exhausted and in trouble. Okay. And then the, now these varied. And you had the people that would come on and say, oh, well, you know, once the feet are out, it only takes about 30 minutes. All the way up to, oh, once the feet are out, I hear it could take still a few hours. Okay. So, yeah, vet veterinary giraffe experts. So, the experts just really don't know. No, it's one of those, I think it's one of those, you get a lot of people that have the, oh, this is what I think in my head, but I don't really know anything. Mm. You know, about like we do our shows. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. So, tomorrow... I'm going to call up Louisville Zoo and be like, hey, you know, I'm a birthing expert for giraffes. I watched the video. Yeah, I shop at Toys R Us. No, Jeffrey is their mascot. <laughs> so I'm very well versed on giraffe right. whatever, put your biology. Name, put your name in the hat for if yeah. they ever need a giraffe birthing Santa expert. Yeah, but now it, it gets even better because, you know, you had the giraffe experts, but then it went further to the people that acted like because they watched the video a couple times or the live stream, they mm-hmm. they had a stake in the whole thing. Yeah. Money? You think there's oh, some gambling? Oh, no, no. Oh. Well, probably. I'm sure Vegas had, you know, is it a boy or a girl? Is When's it going to be born? But uh, a few of those, let's see. Um, we're all godparents now. 
Okay. Uh, there were lots of, I'm crying, I, I'm, I'm out of breath. Hmm. The dad looks nervous. He's pacing back and forth. <laughs> Gee, like a caged animal. Oh, and speaking of caged animal, there was one good one in there that said, uh, she's looking out the window. She wants to be in the wild. And if I, if I understand this right, she was born in captivity. She's probably looking at the street. <laughs> and the best part of the whole thing is there was one guy in there and he immediately got attacked from every direction because he said, I wonder what baby giraffe tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the crap storm that rained down upon him at that point was unbelievable. <laughs> but anyway, that that's my exciting news for the day. Well, thank goodness that baby giraffe, was it a boy or a girl? I don't know. Don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Huh. It it fell out, and then that was the other thing too. Oh my God! It's gonna fall and hit the floor. It's gonna hurt it. So much should get in and help pull. It's like it's a giraffe. People. Yeah, I mean the they do these things in the wild. The baby shoots like twelve <laughs> feet up. What do you want? <laughs> it's like just calm down. It's a giraffe. It, you know, there's not a vet standing <laughs> in the bushes in Africa I'm, going, wait, wait, here it comes. I'm surprised they didn't strap one of those inflatable slides like they have on an airplane and emergency <laughs> to your ass and just like whoop. But yeah, I got kind of bored after watching the thing sit there on the ground for like 10 minutes and not stand up, so I quit. Was it dead? No. Oh, okay. it was It was moving. Oh, but yeah, okay. immediately there were people like, you know, it fell on the floor and it didn't immediately start moving. People were like, oh my God, it's dead. So much. Wow. Why is there not a vet helping it? Mm-hmm. Well, at least you got that. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Soap box dismounted. Yay. So what's going on with the... Uh, you, Chad. <laughs> oh, well, nothing that exciting. Uh, no, I, I wish I could tell you there was, other than we have uh, we do have our secured uh, place to stay and our tickets for the Mothman VIP screening. Excellent. That's pretty exciting. That uh, is. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. should go back and listen to our last episode. And we got our table at CryptidCon, so anybody that's planning on attending, we'll be there. We'll be there for you. We will. I'll be there for you. You got the clap for me. Thanks. You're welcome. Appreciate it. So, uh, Chad. Yes, sir. Since there's uh, nothing going on in your world, Mm -hmm. I believe this week, sporadic as it may be, there's going to be a great comeback. No, what's that? The Pero News Stories. Stories. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I needed that. So, uh, why don't you kick us off, and I won't even make you go over to the Apero News Desk. Oh, yeah? Time. Get to do it here? Just right here. Wow. That's pretty spiffy. <laughs> well, you know, I do like to talk about Bigfoot. I have noticed. So, this comes to us from Cryptozoology News, which, uh, you know, a lot of people go there for their stories. Bigfoot watched me through window, claims Oklahoma woman. In Jay, Oklahoma, a woman in Oklahoma claims she saw a Bigfoot creature. Believe that or not. J resident Natalia said on Tuesday that she was at her kitchen when she noticed the big animal looking through the window. Hmm. Might have been her husband. I went to get a glass <laughs> of water and there it was. She said it was looking in in my window. It's a Bigfoot. Yep, squatchy. The woman goes on to say that the creature made eye contact with her and then it emitted a loud yell. It then reportedly ran off, but she kept hearing it screaming in the distance. So Okay, before I go any further with the story... He's probably peeing in her bushes No, I'm thinking if 
a Bigfoot makes eye contact with you, and at that point he's frightened enough he screams and runs off in the bushes. Yeah. Maybe you're the problem. Right. I, Just saying. Yeah. The eyewitness <laughs> described it as an eight-foot-tall, hairy thing. Boing, boing, boing. It was very big. It was the worst night of my life. Just to see it, she told Thomas Markham about the 2015 encounter. In 2015, a Louisiana man said he had seen a Bigfoot peeking through his bedroom window. Wait, he's from Louisiana? Yeah. How, what, how would he have said that? Uh, from Louisiana? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Come on, let's hear your best gambit. Oh, let me see here. Uh, in 2015, a Louisiana man said he had seen a Bigfoot peeking through his bedroom window. Later on that year, a woman from Oregon claimed Bigfoot watched her taking a bath. No, it's not very good. Mon cher. Mon cher. Throw that card at him. In 2014, <laughs> a 10-year-old boy from Kentucky. I can do that accent. We, well, you've got a 10-year-old boy from Kentucky. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> allegedly saw a similar bipedal creature staring at him through a window just outside his home. And in 1981, Cindy Barron, a 13-year-old girl from Michigan, claimed to have found a Bigfoot in her barn. Allegedly coming so close, the creature to... <laughs> Allegedly coming so close <laughs> to the creature that she was able to touch its fur. What? Sleeping in the loft, legs covered with fur, covered with fur. Oh, that's Florida. Jay is located in Delaware County and has a population of 2,500. And one. And one. If you count the Bigfoot. The Bigfoot. So, there you go. That's my exciting news story. It was from 2015. No. But she just currently reported it. <laughs> it took her two years. It took her a couple years to get over the fact that Bigfoot was scared. That's right. I can't tell people because if a Bigfoot's scared of you, then there's not much hope. After I was divorced, I didn't really tell people about the Bigfoot story because then they would have said that's why he left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chad, I've got one for you that involves two of my favorite things. Um, hamburgers? Shrimp. And shrimp. No, shrimp. Oh, shrimp. And, and Pink Floyd. Oh, Pink Floyd. Right. Dark Side of the Moon. It is. From the, now get this, the BBC News. So this is official. Yeah. <laughs> a new species of shrimp has been named after Pink Floyd thanks to a pact between rock-loving scientists. The Synaphius... <laughs> That was on Sesame Street. Nobody believed Big Bird. The Synalphius Pink Floydy uses large pink claw to create a noise so loud it can kill small fish. Well. The team behind the discovery vowed years ago if it ever found a new pink shrimp, it would honor the rockers. Sammy DeGrave, head of research at Oxford University Museum of Natural History, said he has been a fan of the band since he was a teenager. And it's not the first crustacean he's named after a rock legend, having already named a species of shrimp after Rolling Stone's frontman Mick Jagger. Elephantus Jaggeri. Mm-hmm. He's got moves like Jagger. Nice. He said, <clears throat> I've been listening to Floyd since the wall was released in 1979, when I was 14 years old. The description of this new species of pistol shrimp was the perfect opportunity to finally give a nod to my favorite band. And I spell favorite with a U. Mm, like color. We are all Pink Floyd fans, and we always said if we would find a pink one, a new species of pink shrimp, we would name it after Pink Floyd. The pistol, or snapping shrimp, 
has the ability to generate sonic energy by closing its enlarged claw at rapid speed. Exactly. It can reach 210 decibels, louder than your average rock concert, and results in one of the loudest sounds in the ocean. That and that thing from Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Ursula, or whatever her name is. Yeah, I know her. That black octopus lady thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The description of the species found off the Pacific coast of Panama has been published in the Zutaxa Journal and was co-authored with the Universidad Federal de Jerez in Brazil and Seattle University in the U.S. Makes sense. I'm not guaranteeing that pronunciation was correct. Mm. You know, they would have found that shrimp a lot sooner if they'd taken a closer look at the walleye. Oh. And you know, the walleye sometimes eat those shrimp. They do. And then the shrimp are like, I know I'm just another shrimp in the walleye. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm still here. Are you? Uh-huh. Well, they're kind of hard to see sometimes because they're obscured by clouds. Oh, yeah. And in their little cavern that they hide in, they carry a little thing uh, they like to put their little trinkets in, and they call it their saucer full of secrets. Oh, their saucer. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happens. <laughs> well, when, when, they're, <laughs> when they're behind the fish, they're on the dark side of the moon. Anyway, Chris. Yes? So what are we talking about today? Well, Chad. Yes? The people of Nepal call it Raksasha. Okay. We know it as your favorite overpriced cup. Oh, yeah? The Yeti. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money. (laughs) So after the break, we talk about Mr. Abominable. Can't wait.
Okay, welcome back. Hello, everyone. Yeah, like we said before the break today, it's all about the Yeti. Glad we finally got there. Probably one of my top five favorite cryptids. Yeah? Yeah. I always liked the Yeti. Mm. Well, he is pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> and as I was saying earlier, Chad, uh-huh. the people of Nepal call it Rakshasa, which is Sanskrit for demon. According to them, stories of its existence date back to the 4th century B.C. References to the Yeti are found in a poem called Rama and Sita. It has regularly been cited since 1832. Yeti means magical creature. They're magical, Chan. Mm-hmm. With no pants. Well. That's where the song about them came from. But they're furry. Rama Lama Ding Dong. The name The Abominable Snowman, however, was given to it by its West, by Western newspapers who wanted to give their readers the feeling of terror which the creature supposedly causes in the valleys, crevices, and glaciers of the Himalayas. Or Himalayas. The Himalayas. There are many uncertainties about its origin, whether it exists or not. Some say that the Yeti is a descendant of a race of giant apes, the Gigantopithecus, who retreated into the Himalayas some 500,000 years ago. Another theory is that the Yetis are descendant of the Aore, an ancient people that fled into the mountains to escape their enemies. In the following millennia, they degraded into a race of monstrous creatures. Skeptics say that the tracks were made by ordinary animals, like a bear or an ape. Yeah, but what do they know, huh? Well, I mean, obviously that large population of Himalayan apes. <laughs> well, the Abominable Snowman, the Appalachian Abominable Snowman, was coined in 1921. 1921? Do that, sir. <laughs> it's the same year that Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howdbury led the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition. Scary. Yeah, which he chronicled in Mount Everest, the Reconnaissance, 1921. So it's all right there. I said that's when it was, that's what it was called, and it's in the book called the same thing. Exactly. In the book, Howard Burry includes an account of crossing the Lapkala at 21,000 <laughs> feet, where he found footprints that he believed were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather like those of a barefooted man. He adds that his Sherpa guides at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows, to which they gave the name Mito Kongmi. Mito translates as man-bear, and Kongmi translates as snowman. Man-bear snowman. That's right, man-bear snowman. And always listen to your Sherpa. I try to. Okay. Last time I didn't listen to my shirt, but I had to pay extra on my car insurance. The use of Abominable Snowman began when Henry Newman, a longtime contributor to the Statesman in Calcutta, writing under the pen name Kim, interviewed nice. the porters of the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition in the return to Darjeeling. Good tea. Mm-hmm. Newman mistranslated the word Mato as filthy, substituting <laughs> the term abominable perhaps out of artistic license. As author Bill Tillman recounts, Newman wrote long after in a letter to the Times, the whole story seemed such a joyous creation, I sent it to one or two newspapers. Excellent. He did. And that is how we got abominable. Blah, blah, blah. Abdominal snowman. Abdominal. That's right. He likes to do crunches. He does. <laughs> He's got a 12-pack. Exactly. Well, Chad, uh... Now, we have a list of interesting Yeti facts. I've seen these on Laffy Taffy wrappers. 
and I don't know if it says in here or not, but one thing I don't uh, I don't think is a widely known fact that the Yeti is not reportedly white. Oh yeah, like everything you see about the Yeti or the abominable snowman or whatever else you want to call him is he's always white. Mm-hmm. But everything that you read about the actual sightings and everything say he is either a darker gray color or even a reddish brown. Makes sense, right? Yeah. So just kind of a snowy Bigfoot. There you go. <laughs> Bigfoot in the snow. Yeti facts, Chad. Mm-hmm. The legend of the Yeti dates back thousands of years and began with the indigenous people of the Himalayan region who believed that Yetis were the guardians of the mountains. They were meant to keep watch over the mountains to prevent curious mortals from climbing to the top and disturbing the gods who lived there. Understandable. Silly mortals. No kidding. Chris, did you know the story of the Yeti is deep-rooted in Nepali culture and religion? If you're ever lucky enough to catch the Buddhist Mani Rimdu Festival in the fall, you will see monks dancing around wearing masks of divine creatures. The Yeti is one of them. I think we need one. I think we need to get a Yeti mask. See if you can procure one of those for us. Oh, okay. I'll do that. Whether online or you actually make your trip to Nepal. I'll just go to Nepal. Okay. They have good food. Do they? Yeah, there's a Nepal uh, restaurant over near our house. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I ask them about Yetis all the time. They just look at me. No Yeti meat. Yeah, they're like, we, we don't have that Yeti. So, well, hopefully soon. Mm. Mm. Hey, reported sightings by climbers exploring the Himalayas in the 1950s helped fuel Western interest in the Yeti. Tenzing Norgay and Sir Edmund Hillary were said to have found large footprints in the snow while climbing Everest. They returned on an expedition with a group of scientists in the 1960s searching for evidence of the Yeti, but not a trace was found, and Hillary later dismissed the whole thing as legend. Silly Hillary. He's like, no, I did not see a Yeti. This was just the legend. Mm. In the 1950s, the Nepali government rather industriously capitalized on the increasing popularity of the Yeti myth and issued Yeti hunting licenses for the rather bold sum of $625. Wow. Yeah, still to date. There have been no successful captures of the species. There's another thing you need to get us. You need a hunting license? You need to get us one of those Yeti hunting licenses. Yeah, I also thought about looking for somebody that was uh, eBaying their certificate where they went to one of those Sally Struthers school classes. Uh-huh. Get one of those two and just, you know, fix it, put my name on there. Fully certified. Nice. Gun, re- gun repair. <laughs> Besides the rather lucrative hunting permit... The legend of the Yeti has lent its name to two other successful business ventures in Nepal, Chad. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The five-star hotel, Yak and Yeti, Mm -hmm. is probably the most well-known hotel in the country, and Yeti Airlines connects domestic travelers from Kathmandu to far-reaching mountain areas. By God, that's it. I'm opening up Buffalo and Bigfoot. Five-star hotel, Buffalo and Bigfoot. Kathmandu. Sniffering. That's really where I'm going. If he ever gets out of here, first thing he's going to do is go to Kathmandu. On Yeti Airlines. Mm-hmm. Skeptics suggest that the unusually large tracks in the snow are normal animal prints melted into each other to look like prints from a larger animal. They believe Yeti sightings are attributed to unfortunate misidentification of Himalayan wildlife. Understandably, animals like the Tibetan blue bear, the Himalayan brown bear, and even hermits <laughs> taking up residency in remote mountain caves can all look a bit Yeti-esque when suffering from oxygen deficiency. What, like dead? <laughs> started looking like a chia pet. What do you look like when you get oxygen deficiency? I, I don't know. 
your hair grows. Maybe when you have, maybe what they're trying to say is if you have oxygen deficiency, everything starts to look like a Yeti. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think it was poorly worded, but whatever. So, you know, lar- large doctor. rocks. Ooh, Yeti. Yeti rock. Hmm. A British genetics professor claimed to have solved the riddle of the Yeti a few years ago. The creature is explained to be a subspecies of the brown bear, more specifically a mix between the Himalayan brown bear and an ancient polar bear species. Bull! I don't believe it. No. Mm -mm. Ancient polar bears. Ancient, spiritual, magical polar bears. Magical and spiritual. Mm Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, they work together. Go with it. (laughs) Well, that was it, Chris. Uh, Hang on. Okay. (laughs) Lack of evidence did not keep the government of Nepal from officially declaring the Yeti to exist in 1961. It became their national symbol, an important source of income. There are even stamps of the creature. I was hoping you were going to say after it became their national symbol, and and an important source of food. Well, canned Yeti meat can't be exported. You can get that on ThinkGeek. Unfortunately, it can't be exported. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Smuggle it. Yeah, tastes gamey. (laughs) <laughs> nice. You know, Chad, according to legends, there are three species of Yeti. There's the Remy. Oh, yeah. That is around eight feet tall. Okay. There's the Nilemot, which is the big guy. He's uh, usually over 11 feet tall. Don't want to see him. And then there's the Roxy Bombo. <laughs> He's only around five feet tall. They sell that in Colorado now. Roxy Bombo? Mm-hmm. Here it's quite potent. It is. In spite of differences in size, the species have a general resemblance. The Yeti has reddish hair, although others claim it's gray. Irish. <laughs> it smells terrible and is very strong. It throws boulders as if they were pebbles. It makes an ululating or whistling sound and is sometimes heard roaring like a lion. Roar. The light. <laughs> the Yeti is rumored to be very fond of strong alcoholic drinks. Well... Nothing worse than a drunk Yeti throwing boulders at you. All hopped up on youngling. (laughs) We know that happens. So there you go, Chad. Some uh, interesting Yeti facts. Hmm. You know how many packages of some sort of candy I would have had to eat to get all those on my own? (laughs) No. Nepalese nibby bits. (laughs) They have Yeti facts on the wrappers. On the Nepalese nibby bits. What's in that exactly? Are they made with llama milk? Goat. Oh. Nippy bits are made with goat. Milk? No. Oh. Goat. Oh. Nippy bits are just that. Goat? They're little nippy bits. <laughs> is, it, is it goat jerky? <laughs> the wrapper the wrapper is actually a hairy piece of hide. Oh. The wow. facts are handwritten inside, super tiny, with a needle. <laughs> so they're almost like tattooed on the hide. Those are... Those are probably collector's items, aren't they? Nepalese mini bits and their homemade 7-Up. Blessed by the Dalai Lama. I think so. Delicious. So, Chad, before we get on to uh, my favorite Yeti story of all time. Yes. What do you think about Mr. Yeti? I think Mr. Yeti is very plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Uh, Himalayas are a really big area that a lot of kind of hard to get to. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy said the Himalayas had them. He did. He did. So, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think the, the Yetis are a very plausible creature, yes. Now, you know, as do I. Mm-hmm. And my next question for you, 
Do you think, and we have a, an uh, upcoming show where we're going to do an interview where we're going to talk all kinds of Bigfoot-related things, but I wanted to ask you this uh-huh. on this show. So, we've got Bigfoot, or Sasquatch, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. We've got skunk apes. We've got yowies. We've got any number of other guys. And then you've got the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're all related? Like, they all, if you... And now this may cause controversy, but oh. do you think they all evolved from a common ancestor? I have no idea. I'm sure they probably did, but I really don't know. I'd say so. Sure. Why not? Okay. I'll jump in that boat. Okay. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I'm not a scientist, but you know what? Just from movies and books and <laughs> yes, animated adventures, I can say sure. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Popular tripe. Exactly. I could go with that. Okay. Yeah, what do you think? To me, it's one of those... You can't prove they don't exist, so you can't tell me if there is or isn't. You know what? There's one thing I know from sure, or for sure. From you know, sure? From sure. For sure. You know where they all came from? Uh, Where? Star stuff. Star stuff. We all came from star stuff, man. You've been listening to too much Moby. <laughs> But anyway, Chad, yes. my favorite abominable snowman story mm-hmm. involves my favorite actor. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah? No. <laughs> it's the strange saga of the stolen Yeti hand. Oh, no. It's a Nancy Drew mystery. I know. No, it's that. not. But uh, this version of it is from Atlas Obscura, another mm-hmm. wonderful site you should all check out. It turns out if a group of Nepalese monks are missing their Yeti hand, they'll accept a replacement from the same people who crafted the costumes and weapons for Lord of the Rings movies. The hell you say? The Weta people. Mm-hmm. Just don't expect them to forget how Jimmy Stewart smuggled part of the handout under the nose of customs officials or how the ensuing attention led to the theft of the monks' other Yeti relics. Well... I mean, they didn't just have one. They had relics. Relics. He got the handout. <laughs> the pamphlet? He did. New Zealand pilot, mountain climber, and adventurer Mike Alsop reportedly delivered the replica hand of the abominable snowman to the monks of the Pangbok Monastery in Nepal. More than a half century after a hunter working for oil man Tom Slick. Get it? Oil man. Tom Slick. Tom Slick. <laughs> Spirited parts of the relic out of Nepal for analysis elsewhere. Also didn't respond to requests for comment, but what more is there to say? The hand, such as, as it is, has been returned. This is no small matter for the monastery, which relied on donations from those who visited the monastery's yeti hand and skull cap. I want to help the monastery have an income again. I want to help them out, Also told the BBC in 2011. It's just the latest odd turn of events for an odd artifact, an aged, browned, and craggy set of hand bones crudely stitched together with wire, one fingertip partially covered with leathery skin. The fake hand is meant to right a wrong dating back decades. For years, the Pangbok monks displayed the supposed yeti relics to visitors of the monastery, conveniently located along a trekking trail toward Mount Everest in the Himalayas, in relative peace. That all changed in 1957. Slick, 
a Texas oil man arrived in Nepal ready to spare no expense to fund a reconnaissance expedition to hunt for the mythical abominable snowman in Nepal. The quest failed, but Slick, injured while on the hunt, commissioned two guides, brothers Peter and Brian Byrne, to continue his search. Later that year, Peter Byrne discovered that the monks of the Pangbok Monastery in a Nepalese valley claimed to hold a yeti skull top and hand. Skull top. Skull top. Hand. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. On the Slick's orders, and after much debate by the monks, Byrne negotiated to obtain a single finger from the hand in exchange for the relatively significant fee toward the temple's upkeep and a replacement human finger. Hmm. So did the monks give him the finger? I think they did. Hmm. We made a donation of 10,000 rupees to the temple, Chad. Oh, yeah? I hear that's only about $160 in today's money. You're very correct. Uh, But a large amount for a community where the average income might be as little as $15 in a year. And the llamas then gave me a go-ahead to take one finger and replace it with another. From the human hand I had brought back from London, wrote Byrne in a letter to Alsop. Just carry the hand around with him. There you go. Replacement. Uh, you give me that, hey monks, you give me that finger and look, I happen to have one right here. I just set it down and had, still had the uh, vinyl glove on it with a little lubricant. Nobody ever knew. <laughs> I got it in. <laughs> Byrne was not the first Westerner to see the supposed Yeti remains. As early as 1953, a group of Indian mountaineers and an Austrian and British scientist viewed and measured the Yeti scalp, although none of them mentioned the hand. The relics, it seemed, provided a source of income for the centuries-old temple since they were viewed as sacred relics by local worshippers, and because the monks would allow visitors to photograph the bones for a fee. Byrne smuggled the finger and some skin from the hand across the Nepalese border into India, where he made a rendezvous in Calcutta with American movie star Jimmy Stewart and his wife, Gloria. Now, why why do you want me to take across the border, Mr. Potter? He gave that finger. He did. Anyway, the famous couple agreed to smuggle the finger into the United Kingdom for research by Slick's friend and primatologist Osmond Hill of the Zoological Society of London which they did by hiding it within Gloria Stewart's undergarments in her luggage. No comments on that one, Chad? Nope. (laughs) Wrote Byrne in his letter, Then, three days later, the hotel's concierge came from reception to say that there was a British customs officer in the hotel lobby asking to see them, and could he send him up? Oh, no. Crap. They said yes, of course, and a few minutes later, a young British customs official appeared at the door of their suite. Gloria's lingerie case in hand. Oh, crap. (laughs) They gave the man a cup of tea, had a pleasant chat, and signed a receipt for the case, which, Gloria noticed, was locked and had not been opened. Ushering the young man out the door, she pointed this out to him and asked why it had not been opened and examined by customs. Oh, madam, said the young man, certainly not. A British customs official would never open a lady's lingerie case. I would never put my hands in your little bit. Oh, what if they were dirty? Mm, oh. Dirty panties. I think that's what... Now, it wasn't typed on this story, but I think that's what he said. Oh, did he? Several years later, the publisher <laughs> of World Book Encyclopedia commissioned an expedition into the Himalayas led by the famed Everest co-conqueror Edmund Hillary. 
Hillary proposed a hunt to discover if the Yeti was myth or monster. The expedition set out in late 1960, and while it failed to find evidence of the Yeti, Hillary methodically debunked the supposed Yeti bones he found in Nepal, including the bones of Pengbok, which now included a human finger crudely wired into place courtesy of Byrne in 1958. Nice. <laughs> they wired it in. They're like, oh, no, look, it's, it's complete. It's good. It's fine. Wrote the expedition commanders, the Pengbok Monastery also boasts a Yeti hand, which more than one expert, examining photographs and a flake of skin, had declared to be human or part human. The hand is skeletal, heavy, markedly squared phalanges are wired together and the palm partly covered with brown leathery skin. It is possible that some of the bones are not human, but almost certainly the best part of the hand is. It is a large but spl slender human hand, a woman's perhaps, but more possibly a young llama's. thought they were had hooves. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm appalled by your ignorance. Thank you. You're welcome. Back in London, Hill examined the finger and declared it of human origin, although a number of other scientists in Slick's circle weren't convinced, and Hill himself later exposed doubts. Skin taken by Byrne also didn't prove definite, or definitive even, and testing of the skin decades later by the U.S. television show Unexplained Mysteries also found no clear answer as to the skin's origin. The hand at the monastery vanished in 1991 after the story of the Yeti relic aired. Meanwhile, Peter Byrne began a hunt for another mythical creature, the Sasquatch. I see. Wasn't he the lead singer of... Uh... Talking Heads. Sasquatch? No. Peter oh. Byrne. I don't think so. Oh. N different Byrne. Cute, cute little baby. <laughs> Why not wake him up? Yeah. Let him stay up all night. The bone analyzed by Hill disappeared until resurfacing in the collection of the Hunterian Museum of the Royal College of Surgeons. Did You, you went there, didn't you? No, but they caught oh. Gar once. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, which notes it was obtained in 1976 as part of a bequest from Hill. In 2011, for the making of the BBC documentary, the finger was analyzed by the Royal Zoological Society of Scotland at the request of journalist Matthew Hill, and its DNA proved human. We had several fragments that we put into one big sequence, and then we matched that against the database. We found the human DNA. Rob Ogden of the Royal Zoological Society of Scotland told the BBC... We had to stitch it together, so it wasn't too surprising, but it was obviously slightly disappointing that you hadn't discovered something brand new. <laughs> Ancient recordings. The Hunterian Museum stated at the time that no formal request from the monks to return the finger had yet arrived. Perhaps the monks believed nobody would drop a coin in, a do in the donation box to see only a finger. <laughs> So there you go, Chad. Yep. Big, long, convoluted story about missing Yeti hands. Yeti hands, human bones, Scottish people. That, I mean... Dirty underwear. High drama. <laughs> Hail high drama. Wow. Mm -hmm. Red Skull. You seen that new Thor uh, trailer for no. Ragnarok? No. It's awesome. I know you saw the Star Wars teaser. Well, I mean, you know, at least 50 probably times. Probably punched that two or three times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Thor trailer is actually more exciting. Hey, if you would like to submit your application to become the new co-host of Paranormal Guys, the uh, 
Where would they be able to send that to, Chad? Oh, they could send that to uh, the guys at paranormalguys.com. I think, right? Yeah, they could send it there. Right. And how would you find a convenient, easy form to fill out to send it to us? Well, you can go to paranormalguys.com. And you can go to contact, and there's a form you can fill out for all sorts of information, like, hey, I want Chad's job, stories, uh, submit any comments, if you're disappointed in us, whatever you want to do, <laughs> just send something in. I mean, I'm disappointed in us. Well. <laughs> so, yes, paranormalguys.com. Mm-hmm. Go email Chad, email me, listen to the show. If you want your finger on the pulse. Not a Yeti finger, though. No. We don't know where that is now, apparently. <laughs> Stuck way up there. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash guys. True. Chad puts all kinds of interesting little tidbits on there. I try. And you can also keep up with the uh, great guys and happenings at Small Town Monsters over there right now, especially. Yep, yep. they got some big stuff going on and got a great movie getting ready to come out. That's right. I'm, I am actually really excited about that. Are you? I am. I am. Mothman. Mothman prophecies. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Seth tried to get like Deborah Messing to go to be in the documentary. I don't know. I wonder or if they got Richard Gere's Richard actual Gere. hamster from the or gerbil from the set. Hey, while you're at Paranormal Guy's Facebook page, why don't you head over to uh, William Blanchard's Facebook page? Musical genius he is. He is. is. He uh, supplies all the music for Paranormal Guys, and you can find him at facebook.com slash William Blanchard soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to whatever they're going to name that little giraffe. Yeah, Jeffrey. No, I think I think everybody was saying Jelly Bean. Or what? for Easter, I don't know. Or Lily. Jelly Bean. Egg fetus? No, egg Jelly fetus. Bean for candy. Oh. Peep? I like Peep, peep. better. Name peep. peep. Yeah. <laughs> should just name it Giraffe. <laughs> she didn't even dropped. Hey, Giraffe. <laughs> That's Giraffe. No, what's its name? Giraffe. Yeah, Giraffe. <laughs> Small Giraffe. Or name him Upper. Yeah, I'll name him Upper. Who's that? Upper Giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they name Upper GI. Fair enough. I think so. So anyway, <laughs> now that we're rambly. Yep. Uh, Easter will be over when this drops, but... Hope you had a happy Easter. <laughs> if you celebrate Easter, yes, happy Easter. If not, disregard that. Otherwise, have a good day off from work. There you if go. You work on a Sunday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Exactly. Whether you celebrate Easter, whether you don't, whether you work on Sunday or don't, whether you worship a rabbit. We're not. We're not. Have a paranormal weeks. Sanskrit. Sanskrit. <laughs> it's Sanskrit uh-huh. for demon. I think he was on Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs>